So before I uh, say something about tonight's theme, I'd like to invite you to join me in in reflecting uh, or contemplating the community that we're a part of here. And um, it happens that this evening people are gathering down that hill, people are gathering down the other hill that way, and we are gathering here. So sometimes I just feel it's wonderful to think of that, you know, that we're gathering here and we're also part of, of that uh, field of blessing um, and just yeah for me I often feel that sense of the three centers and and particularly this evening that sense of uh, people gathering gathering to support each other and to uh, open to the Dharma to uh, mm, yeah, to uh, receive that blessing. Um, so wonderful. So uh, I haven't got a title for this talk yet, but um, we'll see. Maybe one will emerge. It's something to do with... Uh, finding or making peace with uh, other people. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. There's (laughs) other people here. So, um, hmm. or finding another thought after one conversation I had with one of you today was something like, Finding the Dharma in relationship. Uh-huh. Ooh, hey, hmm. how where can be a challenging realm is a challenging realm in many many ways, and so my I think the the spark of of interest that. Um, this exploration or some of what I'll share with you comes from is my own experience of being on retreat and just noticing and again it's different for different people different retreats maybe you know I I really like some retreats that sense of self and other and it's like it can really fade and soften and not be you know so much present and, and active and sometimes as you know um Maybe for you, sometimes it can suddenly happen. You know, you're all at peace with the universe and everything's wonderful. And then somebody drops a plate in the dining room and you realize, ah, not so much peacefulness in that moment. Or, yeah, just, or sometimes we, and on that sense that we sometimes carry into retreat with us, you know, reverberations and residues and holdings and, a kind of relational dukkha that actually um, is either it's it just it just kind of you know elbows its way into our retreat. <laughs> like, where I am, 
Um, or, you know, sometimes very touching people will, you know, very intentionally bring something, you know, into the retreat. Like, I want to, you know, somebody I haven't forgiven or like, I really want to, you know. So I'm f- f- sort of really intentionally um, holding that, uh, bringing that into, into practice. Um, so that's kind of what I want to explore a little bit. And as is often the case, feels like a work in progress, an exploration in progress. So again, hope you can listen in that way of grounded, spacious, and feel and listen to your own experience and your own wisdom in this area. You know, it's and and one of the reasons why I think I I I like during the beginning of a month to kind of do something that invites you, invites us all to really uh, acknowledge that we are here together. Know that, yes, in a way, each person is on their own individual retreat, but actually, you know, our presence and our, you know, we wouldn't be here without everyone else also being here. And the way that um, we, we affect each other. I mean, I know that's like, it's obvious. We, 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 but just, I think that that sense in which we, you know, we can be supportive to each other or, or not. I mean, or, or we can feel supported or, or not. And, and for me, sometimes on retreat, and it was a recent retreat, where this was kind of very, kind of very loomed rather large, that sense of uh, somehow things which obstructed the capacity to really be present and open and available both for the offering of the the goodwill and the receiving and you know that that just so one of the things I'd like to open up a bit is just you know what can get in the way of um, being at ease in the presence of others yeah this is sometimes I think my goodness me that's so basic it's so basic but um, yeah to understand that I feel like a retreat is an opportunity to perhaps understand and uh, yeah to understand more deeply and more clearly how what what happens you know when there's just a person and there's just and then oh my goodness me you know what happens and what goes on and and how illuminating that is and, and potentially freeing and um in a way almost because we're not interacting because we're it's very spare and simple and there's the silence and the the space, then perhaps we can see more clearly what the mind can do. And, um, you know, so so that's what I, I kind of want to go into a little. And before I do that, I, I want to do a couple, of, a couple of things. First of all, it's something like acknowledging that or or maybe again it's always for you to check out and see if this is true for you but this 
yearning, this longing to be or to be able to feel at peace with people, or to be able to feel in harmony, to be able to feel at ease in the presence of others, and how I don't know. To me, that's that's as is often the case in practice, isn't it? That actually, that maybe we could say is like a wise chanda, wise desire, because if we if we can get in touch with that longing, that yearning, that wanting, not as a craving but as an aspiration, then ah, maybe that supports the inquiries as to well, what is it that gets in the way or what impedes that and what can help, what can what can help to make that more possible more of more of the time. And that it doesn't have to it doesn't have to be determined by external circumstances. Right? It doesn't have to be determined by our life or our mind or our body being all okay. So there's something, isn't there? There's something very radical about the Buddha's teachings. Are you saying it's actually if it's dependent on anything, it's dependent on wisdom and intention, or you could say wise intention. And so, um, yeah, just to, to, I think that's, to me, that's very empowering and very encouraging that, you know, we don't have to rearrange the universe <laughs> in order to be in harmony with. I mean, that's, you know, that's not our experience a lot of the time, but oh, yeah, hmm. That's for me, that can feel very inspiring because I sense the possibility of that. It's like to me, yeah, you know, that's, I can feel that as a true possibility. And yet, we feel and experience, and to some extent, carry with us, yeah. As I was saying, you know, a lot of the effects of um, conflict, of 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 division, of violence that we we're still reverberating with, you know, that that it's the effects of the world, and um, so uh, I wanted to share with you in this regard. Uh, this is a wonderful recent book, an anthology of um, discourses from the Pali Canon on the theme of social and communal harmony by Bhikkhu Bodhi. And he shares a very touching uh, passage from the Sutta Nipata about the Buddha that he too was, uh, he felt the effects of um, the chaos and the turmoil in the world. So he, he says in this, Fear has arisen from one who has taken up violence. Behold the people engaged in strife. I will tell you of my sense of urgency, how I was stirred by a sense of urgency. Having seen people trembling like fish in a brook with little water, when I saw them hostile to one another, fear came upon me. The world was insubstantial all around. All the directions were in turmoil, desiring an abode for myself. 
I did not see any place unoccupied. So that to me has such a, maybe for you, I don't, a sense of how it feels to, to, to be in the world sometimes. And, and then this book goes on to share um, many of the Buddha's teachings like to help us, like you know, how to, how to uh, understand suffering and its causes, how, to, um, how, how suffering ceases, right? And inwardly and outwardly. And um, these beautiful teachings on how to train, how to practice the kinds of intentions that actually we can train here on retreat and we can train in our life that actually, again, without having to control the events of the world or the events even of our own life or mind or body, we can be a force for peace we can be a force for uh, tolerance and for harmony and for concord. And that, that that can really form a basis, I think, of empowerment for action. I think that's uh, that, that, that it, it gives us a guide or some kind of a, somewhere to stand in the midst of all of that. So, um, so, yeah, I want to share with you um, another teaching of the Buddha. I thought I would just share this one. There are many, many in here. It's a wonderful book. Um, uh, and, yeah, the, if the, the reference, if you're interested, it can be found in the Majjhima Nikaya, the Middle Length Sayings, number 48. And I just go through it, I won't spend too much time on it, but I think it can really, it's a teaching that could very be, could very usefully be reflected on again in terms of uh, how we can support ourselves in, again, if you like, finding the Dharma in relationality, in, in relationship, and how, how we can, uh, uh, yeah, bring that, find that, uh, in in that field, so he's talking to monks. So I'm going to change the word to practitioners uh, in the service of in- including all of us. Um, there are six principles of cordiality that create affection and respect, and conduce to cohesiveness, non-dispute, concord, and unity. So here a practitioner maintains bodily acts of loving kindness towards his fellow, towards their fellow practitioners, both openly and privately. A practitioner maintains verbal acts of loving kindness towards their fellow practitioners, both openly and privately. Again, a practitioner maintains mental acts of loving-kindness towards his fellow practitioners, her fellow practitioners, both openly and privately. 
Again, a person, uh, a practitioner shares without reservation. Any righteous gains have been righteously obtained. A practitioner dwells both openly and privately, possessing in common with his fellow practitioners virtuous behavior that that is unbroken, flawless. And a practitioner dwells both openly and privately, possessing in common with their fellow practitioners a view that is noble and emancipating, which leads out for one who acts upon it to the complete destruction of suffering. So... um, Partly why I want to share this in another couple of passages from other teachers is in mm, think when we we can feel very mm, kind of entrapped or um you know the 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 um that which is wrong, you know, that the 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 the, the conflict, the uh, the discord, the dissonance, the dis-ease can feel so predominant on it, you know, on retreat as well as not on retreat. It's like a to me a vision is it's not a leaning forward, it's like a clarity of context. So I was early this afternoon, I was sitting on the floor in my room in my basement and looking up and it was like looking looking through the trees to the sky I think this is something like this I think this is so a vision of the possibility of our own our own minds and hearts and and behavior a vision of of possibility of, of of a life more and more governed and directed and led by these principles of of loving kindness of sharing of uh, keeping the precepts of bringing wisdom bringing what wisdom we have or can find to this you know to this moment to this predicament to this whatever you know, to this person to this situation like that commitment to or that possibility does that make sense like so it's like it's like a direction or a beacon so I want to share you another what I feel is a kind of you know I could say vision statement um Again, to inspire us and and give us that sense of the of the sky that we can see through the trees. So Christina Feldman, her recent book, um, the Brahma Viharas, the Boundless Heart. She says, "Our lives from the moment of our birth are affected and defined by our relationships." Our emotional maturity and freedom grow in the classroom of a participatory world. Yeah. 
I say that again, this feels so, like our emotional maturity and freedom grow in the classroom of a participatory world. Um, she goes on, cultivating the wisdom of kindness, compassion, joy and equanimity. We discover a freedom to participate in this relational world that is no longer distorted by greed, hatred and confusion, but guided by generosity, balance and understanding. I think one of the reasons I, I said that sentence again, that we learn... Um, how to uh, find, uh, attune to, um, bring in the Dharma uh, in, into our relational life, in our relational life, <laughs> not somewhere else. Isn't that often what we want to do? I don't know, I, for me for one, I want to go away, go away from everybody, sit there, think about it, figure it all out, and then go back and right. Does that work? It hasn't worked for me. I mean, maybe to some extent, you know, maybe to some extent that is helpful. But to, so I feel like there's a possibility here, not, not that you have to, again, like I said at the beginning, it may and may not be appropriate for you in your practice or what you want to explore. Or maybe it's just something that when it comes up, you know, when it happens and, you know, things can, things can kind of come into retreat, can't they, sometimes? You suddenly need to go to see the doctor or, you know, you get called away or because someone's sick. Or, and, and so those moments may be when someone annoys you. Maybe that happens sometimes on retreat, you know. It's, to be able to uh, really embrace that as practice. I mean, I know I'm not saying anything you don't already know, but, um, you know, I, I just think that if we don't do that, we're missing a whole level, a whole richness of, of retreat and the possibility of, of freedom, of, of understanding. Um, if, if we don't. So, um, uh, let's see. So, um, so I wanted to share a little bit about first sort of how um, some of the ways I've found helpful in investigating this, this area. Particularly of understanding and uh, recognizing our tendencies. So, I might ask you if you want to reflect for a moment, you know, um, tendencies that you, 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 you recognize sometimes or maybe often or that, that you come into a group or I'm thinking particularly of the retreat situation but it can be even... Um, you know, perhaps particular times in the day or when you enter the dining room or when you come into the hall or just noticing, noticing tendencies, you know, um, typical tendencies. So, so if you like, latent tendencies, sort of 
um, habitual or you know internalized oppression or you know some of it is 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 uh, messages or yeah trauma residues or just ways that we tend to feel like for example um you might you know have the tendency to feel on the edge a bit of an outsider you know everyone else is kind of <laughs> sort of in there and i'm sort of a bit on the edge does anybody do that i think it's a really common one yeah and and just in the noticing so i think with a lot of this it's not that you have to do anything about it that's so interesting to me that just seeing it knowing it years ago when i was on on retreat at Gaia house another I, I began to realize that there was a strong tendency that I, re- I began to really recognize in myself that I would go to the dining room and I would, I would sit down at a table with others and start to feel absolutely terrified. <laughs> you know, really strong feeling of, of fear. Like, what on earth is going on here? You know, because like I would check it out, I would look up and people were just eating their soup. <laughs> just eating their soup nobody was looking at me like this you know or or kind of you know pointing at me it's sort of that feeling do you know what I'm talking about those senses that you have or someone's looking at you you have that feeling of being watched the feeling of being watched that's a very interesting one nobody's watching you you know it's just that feeling and so to notice on that, that in the dining room experience, what, what was really helpful was to keep checking in with her. Oh, it's okay. Friendly. Oh, terrified. Friendly. Hmm. You know, <laughs> here and now, this is what's happening. Oh, dissonance, something. So I could recognize it as old stuff, we could say. And what I found was, I remember one particular retreat where I really made a practice of being intentional, just holding that, holding it, not trying to make it go away, analyze it, but just hold it and keep checking in with that perception of, oh, other people, okay. They're just there eating their soup. Okay, keep just kept coming back to that. And the thing started to calm down, yeah. And so, so that's also, I mean, that's a, there's some freedom. There's some. There's some insight there. What and what is going on there? Because you know that's a kind of slightly dramatic example, but it's what we're doing a lot of the time. Maybe sometimes very very subtly. Um, yeah. So I sometimes feel it when I'm, you know, when I'm I'm coming in to give a talk and I'm like terrified of all you terribly frightening yogis you know <laughs> you're very scary aren't you <laughs> judging me and you know throwing about to throw cabbages no not so much you know? and and it's it's so I'm I've gradually you know just by bearing with it and coming in and not panicking or running out of the room <laughs> It's like, ah, oh, look at that. And that the sense of self and other that's all tied up with that is gradually being kind of melted or dissolved. Or it's, yeah, it's like, ah. Oh. And, and so much of that, I think, is about not trying to get in there and fix it. I don't think it really works like that. 
it's this um, bearing with, but also keep referring to something that is not that. It's like a reality, a kind of reality check. Another experience, I don't hope it's, I tend to share experience because I, not because your experience is the same as mine, but it's like, so that you get the sense that this is about life. You know, it's like you have your own examples, your own situations, your own patterns. Again, it's sort of, it's, it's making it, making it real, not just theoretical. Just recently participating in this wonderful teacher conference. And so first afternoon coming in and certain conditions, uh, I wasn't very well prepared, not very well grounded. And some of my, um, so one of the things that happens in, in my, is I get, I suddenly feel terribly, terribly shy. And then I feel a lot of doubt about where to go. Should I go here? Should I go there? Oh dear, I don't think I better go anywhere. I just hide in the bathroom, you know. Um, and so I could really saw all that, like, kind of, you know, like, my mind's very vivid. It's like very vivid, you know, like this huge sort of cartoonish sort of thing. Like, oh dear, you know. So that afternoon wasn't particularly pleasant. Um, but then the next afternoon, okay, coming into the similar kind of situation, more, bit more grounded, coming in with the intention to, 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 to participate and enjoy and appreciate that. So power of intention not to fix, not to not have that experience, you know, not to not for that pattern not to happen, but to, um, yeah, to, 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 to come in with, with uh, intention, yeah, wise intention. And so the second afternoon, it's like that was sort of there, but it was much smaller and didn't get going, and there was more enjoyment, and that was encouraging. And then the third afternoon, again, the, the process continued, and the, the level of kind of disturbance got less, and that the heart was able to open more to just enjoyment and love and appreciation. So I hope that makes sense. That it's just, and I think sometimes, whatever it is with you, um, different situations in your life or, or here on retreat, and noticing, uh, hmm, that that br- the kind of intention that you bring how that can change the experience. I find it very interesting how, um, I don't know if you, you notice this, that, that going outside and being with nature, the, the, the animals and the trees, it's, it's, uh, it's different. It seems to me much, for me anyway, much less relational disturbance. And even that, I think, is quite illuminating in terms of, well, what, yeah, what's happening indoors with all those people. So another thing I thought, uh, um, I'm I'm not going to have time to go through everything I want to go through, but I hope you're getting the idea of the, the arena for investigation ambivalence (laughs) 
So I'll just name two. I think I found this extremely helpful to kind of name. You might also know, you might also kind of note it as 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 doubt, like a bit like my experience um, that I was describing at the conference. So you you want to be close, or you want to be connected, but not too close. Yeah. So there's that kind of they want to be you know have that connection but not too much so you feel that kind of ambivalence that's so helpful to name I I feel like it's very common different different ways or um, wishing everybody would go away but not too far that's yeah this is just so interesting to to see this happening. Um, so just hmm, what what one thing I find helpful. I mean, I don't know. It's different for different people, but say say with fear or clinging, sometimes it can be so subtle, can't it? Somebody walks by, and you just feel a very slight sense of re- say retraction or. It's, some some response and sometimes when that happens I kind of I try to feel it in the body I think this is another really helpful like just again not without getting into not not without getting into analysis but just it's such an animal thing isn't it? such a kind of basic like kind of recoiling because of the potential threat or just or you know again sometimes it again you don't have to understand exactly why and what and everything you're just feeling it and then ah oh, okay it's okay now that sort of basic reassurance or someone walks past and you feel your mind kind of go with them like oh, you get attached you kind of want to follow them so that kind of that other kind of of reaction, you know, someone walks by and he's like, like this. And as you, you know, as you well know, there's this phenomenon which is a more developed version of that of of the vipassana romance or the vipassana vendetta, where you know you 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 get your 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 something gets locked onto somebody in that way that that you 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 start to. Um, kind of um, imagine and perceive and and then it, it just grows and grows either negatively or positively um, so okay so maybe one other sort of area for investigation I wanted to highlight if you've still got some capacity <laughs> now yeah, okay, so this, this, let's see, maybe I can do it more. Mm. Mm. So, this is something about un- understanding or noticing the, um, using the process or the, the, of perception, the different kinds of perception. So, um, For example, the wonderful quote that Joseph shared in his talk, 
um, the thought of your mother is not your mother. So, if you, you know, th- this is... So, so um, let's translate that, say, to here on retreat, uh, drawing on something can that happen to me. So, in the yoga room, doing yoga, another yogi in the yoga room, doing yoga. Right, okay. So, basic perception, you could say, uh, visual, visual, you know, shape, body, person, some some basic perceptions like that, right? And then some some more some more perceptions start to kind of grow out of that. Oh, she's so much better at yoga than I am. <laughs> Different. And then what the practice that that I, I found so helpful in different ways in different situations is you can you go back to just that almost bare visual impression, which is even if you go isn't it go even further back in the perceptual process, you're gonna you're gonna just it's just something like shape or color or light and, and shade, and then and and that's gonna have one. I mean, to me, often that that's more neutral. So it can be very helpful where there's a lot of charge and person, you know, vroom, vroom, vroom. like, ah, oh, so just seeing, seeing is happening, or shape, or even sound. This You could do exactly the same thing. So I could have, I didn't do that then, but I could just hearing sound of person, you know, sound of that, the body moving, just hearing, hearing. Sometimes I think this can come up in the hall or, you know, with our room, someone's making a noise, you know, why don't they shut up? They shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> and it's very free, very powerful practice of being able to just hear it as sound. And not necessarily that we don't then go and say something or do something that might be skillful, but seeing that papancha, seeing the proliferation, seeing the worlds that can, uh, you know, just blow up in a moment around this person and me and how I always get next to the person who wheezes or, you know, just not fair, <laughs> all this kind of thing. You know, have your own... Um, probably experiences of that. So, in terms of bringing the Dharma to bear here, to, to be able to, ah, the th- the, even with one's mother, which for many of us or some of us, you know, that's not a simple perception or a simple relationship. You know, there can be a lot of suffering, you know, around that. But, and that was true for me with my mother. But I can remember when I first heard this teaching, it just rang this huge bell and helped me so much in that relationship because I could, ah, oh, yeah, there, there is a whole kind of thought world that is not her. It's a thought world. And if we can remember that when we're... Um, caught up it's so helpful but so in retreat i feel like we can we can 
we can practice that skill. It's not that we want to reduce everybody to a, you know, a blob, you know, go around the world seeing blobs. Ah, oh, that feels better. <sighs> no, it, it's something more like a kind of flexibility, you know, or even both. Maybe it's like figure and ground, being able to see in a way which is kind of, yeah, almost neutralizing, but not staying there, being allowing the person to, to emerge or to, to be, uh, yeah, to be, hmm, how, how would you say it? To be real, you know, to be, to be there, not just a visual impression, a person. This interesting kind of balance, perhaps. So, let's see. Hmm. Maybe I'll, I'll take the risk and share with you a rather bad poem that I wrote. It's not that bad, it's not great, but I think it makes a point. And maybe, you know, I feel like it's sometimes... Um, some creativity and imagination can help. It was part of when I reflecting on this theme, so I hope you might find something helpful in this. It's called A Plea. I am not what I seem to be. Please, let me be a mystery. And when you see my face, don't stop at my apparent race. And if my body looks all wrong, or if it looks all right. Please do not make me what you think, but let me be a mystery. And if my voice is pleasing, or if it makes you cry, and if my mind appears to you a wonder or a blot, please remember what you know is only ever that. And when you see me walking by, please wish me well and let me be a mystery like you. Oh well, better luck next time. <laughs> yeah, something about, so the last piece I'd like to share, five, yeah, um, is a beautiful teaching that I come back to again and again on uh, hospitality from the great Christian theologian um, Henry Nouwen, if I can find it. And I feel like the kind of hospitality that he's talking about is very much what we're practicing here and what we also can uh, practice in our lives, in our places of work and our families and in providing and offering and creating and receiving a place where we can be, where we can uh, learn and where we, we can uh, awaken together. So this is Henry Nouwen. Hospitality means primarily the creation of a free space where the stranger can enter 
and become a friend instead of an enemy. Hospitality is not to change people, but to offer them space where change can take place. A friendly emptiness where people can discover their freedom, dance their own dances, and leave free to follow their own vocation. I find that so beautiful and as I look round at all of you, I think, you know, let's, that, that's, I feel that's what we're, you, what, what we are offering to each other. That's beautiful space, safe space, where we can discover our freedom and each of us in our own time dance our own dances and leave free to follow our own vocation. So I think I'll stop there. Thank you.